you wanted the best, you've got the best podcast. The hottest, hottest. podcast in the world. In the world. The Chris Voss Show, the preeminent podcast with guests so smart you may experience serious brain bleed. The CEOs, authors, thought leaders, visionaries, and motivators. Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. Hi, folks. It's Voss here from thechrisvossshow.com. Uh, you know how the, that's, that's how it goes. What can you do? What can you do? Uh, welcome to the show, my family and friends. We certainly appreciate you guys being here and being part of the show. As always, we have the most smartest minds that bring you to the show. 15 years of the billionaires, the CEOs, the uh, you, you name it. Everybody's been on the show except for, uh, I don't know, who hasn't been on the show? I don't know. But if you haven't been on the show, well, then that sounds like a you problem. <laughs> anyway, guys, uh, refer this to your family, friends, and relatives. Go to goodreads.com, Fortress Chris Foss, LinkedIn.com, Fortress Chris Foss, YouTube.com, Fortress Chris Foss, and Chris Foss One on the tickety tockety over there where the kids play. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about living radically. We're going to go radical. The show's going to be all rad, eh? Uh, is this the 90s? <laughs> What are you doing? Uh, we have an amazing young lady on the show, and she's going to be talking about some of the things that she does to help people live radically. I think that's where we are. We're going to go spray paint stuff like we're going to, uh, uh, you know, that could be fun. Maybe or, we should. I don't know. Maybe we're going to overthrow, tip over cows in a field or something. We're going to, we're going to go nuts and radical a while on the show. Uh, Jamie Gant joins us on the show today. She is an ICF certified coach and workshop facilitator dedicated to helping individuals create positive change in their life. Uh, she has a background in positive psychology and people management and brings a unique perspective to her coaching and workshops by combining evidence-based practices with a compassionate, client-centered approach. After experiencing burnout and a spiral of depression at the peak of her career, she embarked on a journey of self-discovery to find the key to unlocking true happiness and success. So see if people, you're finally, after 15 years, going to get the true key to unlocking all of the happiness and success you want. Uh, through a lot of trial and error, she uh, discovered the power of focusing on the one true thing that matters, self-care. Now Jamie wants to share her hard-earned knowledge with others so they can avoid the same mistakes and pitfalls she encountered. Welcome to the show, Jamie. How are you? Hey, thanks, Chris. It's great to be here. Thanks for your coming. We certainly appreciate it. We're, we're ready to radicalize our radical living. Uh, give us your <laughs> .com so people can find you on the interwebs, please. Yes, it is radicallyalivecoaching.com. All right, let's get radical. So give us a 30,000 overview of what you do in your words, Jamie. Yeah, so what I do is I basically work with people to help them sort of uncover what it is that they really truly want and help them create an action plan to get it. Mm. And when I talk about living radically, it really is about getting to the core of what you truly want. I think too many of us live our lives chasing after success and chasing after dreams that were never really ours to begin with. They were mm. just sort of programmed into us from a young age, influenced by parents, teachers, you know, older siblings, whatever. Um, and people get lost in that and they, they find themselves burnt out. They find themselves maybe achieving a certain level of success and still not feeling so great. 
And mm. when you really dig down deep inside, it's because it was never really what they wanted in the first place. So, <laughs> You know, th I, a lot of people go through this in life. I remember when I was young, I would, I would listen to Billy Joel's My Life. And ah. I was trying to figure out, I was like 10 or 11. I think I was 11 at the time. And I was like, I was like, why is he written about these people that are going through midlife crisis? And why are they all burnt out and they're in a bar having a drink together, sharing a drink <laughs> they call loneliness and uh, the divorce? And, you know, and, and you know, I, I would hear my mom go on about, uh, you know, those divorce guys and they're, you know, they go leave the women and they're always having their midlife crisis and stuff. And it seems like everyone has a midlife crisis. So mm. um, I, I just kind of looked at it like, you know, why are so many people going through this? And it became apparent to me that a lot of people, they they just kind of jump on the social bandwagon. You know, it's the old fight club thing. What do I call my dad? And I said, what do you do? And he says, go to college. Uh, okay, so I went to that. And I said, dad, what do I do now? He goes, get a job. And, I, and I, so I went and got a job. And, uh, you know, what do I do now? Go get married. And, you know, it, everyone just kind of buys into the program thinking that that's just an instant drive to happiness. And uh, uh, newsflash doesn't seem to be that way because you're not making the choices that you want. Exactly. Yeah. And what's most interesting actually that I find the more people that I work with is so many people are so crystal clear on what they don't want. <laughs> they have no idea what they want. They're like, well, I want to have money. Okay. You want to have money for what? <laughs> well, so I can buy stuff. Okay. Well, what stuff do you want to buy? Well, I mean, stuff. you know, stuff. I, I saw my neighbor has this cool car. Like, maybe I should get one of those. Yeah. But why? Like, for what? What do you want that for? And you bring up a good point when you say that because a lot of people think that that's the game, keeping up with the Joneses. So I got mm -hmm. a job like Bob. Uh, maybe it's some corporate thing that I am not excited to do, but, you know, I got to be like Bob or Joe. And, mm -hmm. you know, pick your neighbor. Um, and... Uh, uh, you know, I gotta, I gotta go to college and do the thing with that thing. And I gotta get a job and I gotta go into traffic and, uh, you know, do the commute every day. And, you know, I gotta do all the things and, you know, happy wife, happy life. I gotta raise the kids and stuff. And I think, I think people, um, they don't really think about it. Like don't, they don't really plan about it. They just assume that the social, uh, construct that they're handed, like you mentioned, um, mm -hmm. is just, okay, well, that's what everyone's supposed to do. And, yeah, exactly. And sometimes that's not where it's not what uh, maybe you want to do. Yeah, exactly. And I think with social media today, it's actually gotten much, much worse mm -hmm. because there's all of these like perfectly curated Instagram lives that, you know, people are so happy. They make millions of dollars from home and they don't have to do anything. And um, everyone's starting to wonder, like, well, why not me? Why not me? Why don't I look like that? And then even if they do happen to get there in some mm -hmm. way, shape or form, once they get there, they're like, why do I still not feel good? Yeah. Well, because that wasn't what you wanted. Yeah. I grew up poor uh, and, you know, my parents struggled. Um and I thought that buying all the things uh, would make me happy. I'm like, when I get money, I'll buy all the things I want. And then when I got there uh, in my 30s, I was miserable. Like, I was like, is this all there is? This feels empty and sad and everyone just likes me for my money. Um, there's no other reason to like me if you know me well enough. Uh, but uh, um, I'm sure it, that's not true. It is. It is, uh, but uh, yeah. Thanks for playing along. Uh, but but honestly, I just I was just like, what what the hell? This is you know, this is. 
I thought I would be so happy. And all I want is more things. And falling back to the Fight Club reference, it became that thing where the things you own end up owning you. And you're like, Mm -hmm. this is really like now I've just I've just built to me. It became an elaborate. I used to tell people I just live in a gilded cage. We built an elaborate, very expensive gilded cage, and now we're trapped in it. I had companies I owned I, didn't, I wasn't really interested in doing, um, but they were successful, and I enjoyed running them, but I wasn't happy. Um, and I was just like, this is, I'm just miserable. Like, And everybody around me is miserable, too. So, um, so how do you help people get on the journey to discovering more of what they want, maybe what they should be doing, and help them find you know, maybe their true thing that they want in life? Yeah, yeah. You know, so much of your story, Chris, really resonates with me. I feel like I had such a similar experience on my journey to where I am now, um, helping other people kind of get through this. And what I've found actually is when I'm working with people, I like to really focus in on their core values. Mm. A lot of people have never really sat and thought about like, what are my values? What's really important to me? What actually drives me and motivates me? And what values are mine and what values were actually put into me or influenced upon me, um, you know, through my upbringing, through my background and culture and people I hang out with, et cetera. So I really like to dig into the values. And I do a lot of what I call values-based self-care and -hmm. values-based goal setting. And so I like to work with my clients on really digging into like who they are at their core, Mm -hmm. what is really, really meaningful to them, And then build a plan around that. And self-care is a huge one. I really, especially with women, I work with a lot of women. Mm -hmm. Women have this terrible habit of putting themselves last always. We're always last. Everyone else comes first. Everyone else comes first. And so that the burnout is inevitable when you're doing that. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard the saying, you can't serve from an empty cup. Um, But it's, it's so true. And so I really focus in a lot on that self-care and and those values. And people are sometimes shocked at what they uncover. They find out like, oh, I always thought that, you know, um, loyalty and uh, things that make me feel obligated are important. But I actually learned that from, you know, my father who learned it from his father who like, et cetera, et cetera. (laughs) And so it wasn't actually something that was important to me at all. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting. Yeah, it's 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 something where um you know yeah like my dad told me or you know my family told me or I thought that if I bought this and then and then people kind of wake up and sometimes they don't wake up till midlife they 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 decide that they want to uh, they decide they and, and I think something has to happen that I think that leads us into my next question for you you said one of the challenges you had was overcoming burnout uh, talk to us about that and how you uh, worked your way out of that and got to where you are now. Yeah. So my story is actually crazy. I feel like I've had a couple of different sort of turning points. Um, But uh, when I, my upbringing was quite toxic. So I grew up um, very poor. My parents had, they divorced when I was very young. My Mm. stepfather was struggled with uh, drug and alcohol abuse and my mother sort of fell into that spiral with him. Mm. Um, So it was just a very unstable, very, toxic household. And through that upbringing, I sort of picked up a lot of those similar patterns. And I was, I was going nowhere fast when I was in my early 20s. And I had a little bit of a turning point. And I was like, oh, I don't want to end up like my parents. Like I, I refuse to be like my mother. So I thought I'm going to get on the fast track to success. 
So I went and I got my bachelor's in business and I was the second person in my family to graduate from college. My sister was the first and it was, I got a corporate job and I worked my way up the ladder. Now I'm managing a team of 32 people. I'm making good money. I'm like, yeah, I'm doing all the good things. Married a wonderful man who was, you know, brilliant on paper. Um, and it like from the outside looking in, it probably looked like I had a pretty good thing going. Um, but through all of that, I was really, really miserable. Um, like everything should have been amazing. Like I was comfortable. I was living in Chicago, like which is such an amazing city. It, like everything was good. But my job was good. I had benefits, 401k, like all that, all that stuff that you're supposed to have when you're an adult, I'm ticking all the boxes. Um, and I just, I, I felt like the life, my soul was being sucked out of me every day. Like so often I would get up in the morning and think, oh, what kind of excuse can I come up with to call off work today? I don't want to do this. I can't do it anymore. It was just like I was lather, rinse, repeat, same thing over and over again. And it was just... So was it because your heart and soul was in it, wasn't in it or the, the, was your heart and soul not in the work or the way yeah, it was applied you know, or what was the, what was the uh, thing that was off there? Yeah, I think that it, it was a combination of things. I think that while I did enjoy a lot of the work that I did, my heart and soul really wasn't in it. It wasn't something I was passionate about. It was just something mm -hmm. I was good at. Um, we can be good at a lot of things that we're sure, not really yeah. passionate about, you know? Yeah. Um, so I wasn't really passionate about what I was doing. And I think also because so many decisions were being made for me, mm -hmm. um, I wasn't really making, I, I felt like I wasn't calling the shots in my own life. So, um, you know, within my relationship, I mean, the marriage has since ended, um, with that person, but during that relationship, it was always like everything had to be um, a discussion. And ultimately, I felt like my decisions weren't my own. Um, mm. It was always a democracy, which, you know, that I, not to say that that's a bad thing in relationships. Please don't start fighting with your spouses because I said that. Um, <laughs> but, but it just, it wasn't working for me at that time. Um, and I couldn't, you know, make my own schedule because I was in the hands of my boss who said, you must be at work at 8 a.m. You've got to stay here till 6 p.m. Mm -hmm. You must show up in this way, in this way, in this way. And I was just like, God, who even am I? Like, what is this life? Did I choose mm -hmm. this? Because yeah. I don't remember making this choice. I just, I just knew I didn't want to be my parents. Yeah. <laughs> so I just tried to find whatever the opposite was. And hmm. ultimately that wasn't really who I was. Um, and sometimes the, what I, what, what I found, and I think this is pretty common in psychology, is mm. is young women who have instability at home, especially with a the father, they they tend to make their first choices badly, um, and so that may have been what happened with your marriage. Mm -hmm. Is is you you pick someone because you were checking off the boxes. You're like, what do I do now? I go get married, and yeah. you, you think that everything works out, but actually the choice is 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 one of the most important things to take and do. And sometimes you're looking to fill that father role too. That's what I, I don't know about your, yourself, but in general, what I find with um, women who are looking, who end up in the, in the sort of situation, they've, they're trying to fill the father role because they had a weak father growing up or their father mm -hmm. had issues. So they're trying to fill those shoes and they, and they tend to, to, to make bad choices very early on. And then they, then they go, oh, uh, this isn't fun at all. Is that yeah. 
Oh, oops. <laughs> yeah, oops. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, that, I think that does ring true. And I think, um, especially in my situation and what I've found with other, you know, women that I've worked with as clients um, who've had some similar experiences is it's, it's a little bit of trying to kind of fill that role, but also it's somewhere along our development because that figure was missing, mm -hmm. we don't feel um, like validated at just for being ourselves. Mm -hmm. um, we feel like somehow we need to earn love, safety, and belonging, which I think is human nature. We all want love, safety, and belonging. That's kind of like at the core of our being as humans. Mm -hmm. um, when you look at like the evolution of humans, connection has always been a big part of our survival and our perpetuating, you know, on this planet. So we need that love, safety, and belonging. We will do anything we can to get it. And oftentimes, for young women, if we are missing that male figure, mm -hmm. we think that that's the piece that's going to give us love, safety, and belonging because mm -hmm. we feel that the male absence is the reason mm -hmm. that we feel unstable. And so we start seeking that in, in other areas. And often it becomes something that we seek in romantic relationships, which doesn't usually pan out very well. Yeah. People really undervalue the imprint of a good, solid man who, uh, who, who's a father figure. Um, mm. it's the imprint that it will, it, it will, it makes a difference of a lifetime. I'm 55 mm -hmm. now. I can, I can see it. I can see the wreckage throughout a whole life of people that don't get help and get some, some, um, assistance or psychology on it. Mm -hmm. Um, in, in, I know, um, people in, in homes with alcohol abuse and different things like that, the instability is very hard for, especially for women, for kids in general, they just don't understand it. They don't have any tools because, you know, they're new and they don't have any tools to deal with why mom and daddy are unstable and stuff. And so they're usually seeking stability from wherever they can when they get out in the world. And unfortunately, they'll get into relationships that seem like they're stabler and but they're not maybe quite as healthy or sometimes it can get worse. So you, you, when do you, when do you finally uh, hit your cathartic point on your burnout and want to get out of it? I don't think I understand that again. I'm sorry. Uh, when do you finally hit your cathartic point with the burnout of your job and you're working mm -hmm. your job and, and you know, you're, you're just hating every day. When do you finally break? When do you finally go, Hey, I'm not doing this anymore. So like for me personally or for mm -hmm. people in general. Um, yeah. So for me, yeah, for me personally, it was, um, I think I must've been 12 years into my career wow. um, by this point. So I had been, I was a, a customer service manager um, mm -hmm. at an energy company in Chicago. And I remember just thinking, I was like, you know what, <laughs> if I have to live one more day like this, I'm going to just lose my mind. Um, and weirdly enough, I, I made the decision and I did this without speaking to my husband, which later became a big old fight. Um, but I was like, I decided I wanted to, to leave the job and I wanted to go do something that I enjoyed. And I was getting really into um, group exercise at the time at the oh. gym. And I went to get, I decided to go be a personal trainer and I oh. started teaching exercise classes because I was like, I just want to do something fun and I want to do something that helps people that feels good. Mm -hmm. And you know, who doesn't want to be in shape? So let me just go do that. Um, so I went from making, uh, just under six figures a year to making $10 an hour. Boom. And, uh, <laughs> well, you got to build was, somehow, you got to start somehow. You know, it was, it was yeah. quite the transition. Um, but yeah, I think it was just really, 
um, I remember walking in to my job one morning and I went to go and have my normal morning check-in with my boss. And I remember just like, cause I was walking just the walk from the train to the building, mm-hmm. maybe about six minutes. That was like the longest six minutes of my life. And it was, I think it was like a Tuesday morning and it was an otherwise perfect day. It was summertime and Chicago can have some beautiful summers mm-hmm. and I'm walking and rather than enjoying this weather and thinking, oh, it's going to be a great day. I'm thinking I do not want to step foot in this building. Like it was like, I felt like the weight of the world just sitting on my shoulders. I was like, I cannot do this anymore. Like, I just can't, I was dreading every moment of it. And when I felt that and like just the physical feeling of heaviness, I was like, you know what? Something's got to give, like, I can't do this anymore. Mm. I just can't. And so you quit your job and went Mm -hmm. to the thing and, and uh, I imagine you started searching for things. I mean, you teach now yeah. technically with being a certified coach. Maybe mm-hmm. you just really wanted to help people and get better, whether it was working out or you know coaching or you some sort of instruction or teaching thing, maybe? Yeah, I think that's ultimately what I figured out. So, And I realized through my own self-seeking um, because I, I really just wanted to get out of this slump. And so when I started teaching exercise classes, I also got really deep dive into personal development, started listening to, you know, Tony Robbins and all of these other major influencers in the personal development world, um, reading lots of self-help books and, you know, learning more about who I am as a person, what I want to do, things like that. And I, I sort of learned along the way that what I really enjoy is the the sort of um, supportive role and the teaching role. So even as a manager, I would sometimes put together my own little makeshift um, teaching trainings for my employees. Mm-hmm. Um, I would partner a lot with our HR department. I was like, hey, I think I want to do like Strengths Finder with my employees. I think this would be really great. And I'd put together my own little training curriculum and it just sort of became a thing. And that was the only time I ever enjoyed my job. And I didn't know that that was like what I was headed towards until I started searching Mm. like within myself, like who am I and what do I want? Like you would think we all know that by now. I mean, I was 33, 34 by this point. Mm. And I'm like, shouldn't I know this by now? Um, But no, I really didn't know who I was or what I wanted. And as I started kind of sifting through that and learning all of these different things, I was like, oh, no, I think I actually want to do coaching. Like this is this is where I'm meant to be. And I I found myself um, because I was making ten dollars an hour at the gym. I found myself looking for another job to get more income. And wouldn't you know it, I landed a customer service support role at a company called Health Coach Institute. And it was a company that taught people how to be coaches. And I was like, oh, what is health coaching? What is this thing that you're talking about? And as an employee there, I learned more about the coaching world and what it means to be a coach. And I started on my path at that point to getting my certification. And ultimately, I went back to school to get my master's in psychology um, because it just really spoke to me. And I was like, no, this is definitely what I want to do. And yeah, like ever since then, I've just been on the path, finding people who need my help and helping them. Yeah, because you you survived the burnout uh, transition. 
the uh, whole thing there. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's interesting to me. I've been through so many, uh, they need to tell people in life that you're going to go through a million different journeys. I tell my nieces and nephews, I go, be a story collector. Go through life and collect stories. Take a look around. It's going to go really fast. It's going to go faster than you ever think it will. And uh, enjoy the journey through the forest. There's a million different pathways to go down. Uh, life is a giant catalog, and you can choose your life. And uh, but just enjoy. Uh, you know, take some time to look around because it can move really fast in you. And and uh, um, that's what I tell people. But the thing is, is is we change so much as we grow. You know, you talked about how, you know, it, after 12 years, you're, you know, you're finding yourself and you should have known what, what you are. Sometimes it's just about that we just kind of grow in a certain way or we grow into a certain way and we go, hey, I'm somebody kind of different now. I mean, I've been somebody different in about every, I don't know, five to 10 years. I go try on different things. I like, one time I was like, hey, I'm going to be a cameraman for, I'm going to learn photography and try and be a professional cameraman for five years and, you know, spend a billion dollars on cameras and crap. <laughs> and then after a while, I was like, you know, not really into this because I suck at it. And, uh, uh, and there's, and the editing's a lot of work. The camera, the camera stuff is fun, but the editing, oh, nightmare. Yeah. And, uh, and trying to get everything right with the lighting, I'm just like, oh, I just want to press a big, you know, and so, uh, so then I like that and they moved on. And so I think people should realize or maybe get told when they're young, so much to have a little book and say, you know, there's going to be a lot of different changes in your life and it's okay. It's okay. You don't have to, I think maybe some people think that because they bought the, you know, that single serving sort of fight club, oh, I got the couch. So, you know, I got that couch thing fixed for life, um, that there's no other way or that that's going to be the journey for the whole of their lives. Mm -hmm. And in, in many cases, you may go, I don't, I don't really, this doesn't fit me anymore. Kind of like a, it's kind of sounds a little weird, you know, kind of evil, but you know, like kind of like a shape, a snake sheds its skin or an animal sheds its skin and becomes yeah. something else. Or like a, what's a better example than a snake? Cause people don't like snakes. Uh, like a butter, <laughs> like a butterfly, butterfly. Uh, a moth to a butterfly, you know? Yeah. And, uh, you know, people molt and change and it's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. And I think that's the thing. Like, I always um, joke around that I've lived so many lives in my, my short 42 years of living. Like, I've lived so many lives. And I think that what I often hear from people who are in my age group or a little bit older, so often they think, but it's too late for me to change careers. It's too mm. late for me to do this. And I'm like, no, it's really not. Like nobody says, I mean, every, you know, we get to the end of uh, high school, we're 18 years old, 18, mm -hmm. we know nothing. And we're supposed to decide the career that we want for the rest of our lives at 18. Come on. I don't care what you went to school for and what your degrees in. you could go to school again. I see people going back to school in, you know, late fifties, early sixties. Like it is never too late to make a shift and you can always decide the next chapter of your life because you don't mm. know how long it's going to be with medical science yeah. today, stem cells and whatnot. We could be living to 120. Oh, so yeah. You might as well just go allow the shifts and the ebbs and the flows and, and do your thing because yeah. you know, it's fine. And there's AI. We can all be gone tomorrow by Terminator. Right. So there's that. <laughs> Uh, now, right. you talk about something uh, in your uh, work called the power of radical acceptance. And, of course, we tease that out at the beginning of the show. Tell us what that means. 
Yeah. So radical acceptance, it, interestingly, is what influenced the name of my coaching practice. Hmm. Um, but I learned this term when I was getting my degree in psychology. And it's a term that basically says that we are accepting our situation wholly, mind, body, and spirit, even if we don't like the facts. So it's accepting the facts of the situation and it's accepting the emotions that exist around that situation without trying to change it. And I absolutely love this idea or this concept because so often, and I even I'm still guilty of this, like none of us are perfect, obviously, um, but so often we find ourselves trying to time travel and trying to change things. So, I mean, how many times have you stood in the shower replaying a conversation thinking, oh my gosh, I should have said this, or oh, if only I had done that, or oh, I, this would have been better if I had gone this way instead of that way. Or you get stuck in indecision and you're thinking, mm -hmm. should I go this direction or should I go that direction? What if I make the wrong choice? And what if this? What if that? What if this? Like we, we get so wrapped up in all of this stuff that's outside of our control. Um, we have very little control in our human experience. Control mm -hmm. is very much an illusion in so many ways. And when it comes to radical acceptance, when you can find yourself sort of coming back to this concept and coming back to this idea that, you know what, I don't like this. However, this is where I'm at right now. This is my life. So from here, if I can accept that this is where I'm at, now I can make a choice. If I don't like where this is, or I don't like what's happening, what's my best way forward from here? Rather than trying to change it and berate myself for making the wrong decisions that got me to the, the spot, just, okay, this is not where I wanted to be. I made some choices that got me here. Not so much what I'm aiming for. Let me redirect. Yeah. It's a much kinder way to move forward than to sit there and think, oh, if only I had, or if only I could, or if only I did, you know, just doesn't get you anywhere. You can't time travel. And I think people maybe have to have radical acceptance for what that journey has to be from one ship to another, or from one path to another. It's, it's not always easy. You know, you just can't be like, you just can't, you know, be doing, I don't know, uh, I don't know, working in a cardboard facility one day and you're like, ah, I'm unhappy. And you're just like, and then, you know, the next day you walk into that perfect thing you love where, I don't know, you, you uh, teach gardening or something, you know, uh, <laughs> yeah. it just does. It's just like, you just don't go like, well, I'll quit this. And then, oh, there it is. It's the shining beacon on the hill thing that I need to go do. There's kind of like a journey you have to go on and a little bit of wandering. Yeah. And sometimes, uh, sadly, you know, kind of the way our world works, you know, financially, uh, they don't make it easy. But I think that's kind of the, I don't know, you could probably do some joke about an evil plot of the, you know, the billionaires want you to don't want <laughs> the you conspiracy quit your job. Don't want of the you corporation. Yeah. <laughs> Stay in your jobs. Uh, anyway, yeah. <laughs> we're just joking. People don't start a cult. Um, so, but you know, you sometimes like you went to, when you made your change, you know, you had to go from a high paying job to 10 bucks an hour, but you can't, I think the important point about that is, is you can't put a price on feeling fulfilled and doing something you'd love. Right. Yeah. So, well, maybe initially you're making 10 bucks an hour. You're not showing up every day going, I want to just jump out one of these windows here. Uh, you know, I, I'm, yeah. I actually am kind of enjoying myself. 
you can't put a price on peace. You can't put a price on 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 what finding what you love to do. And so sometimes you just got to go through that cathartic journey. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's so true. And I think that's what a lot of people lose sight of. Um, because yes, I, I recognize like money makes the world go round. This is the world we live in, whatever. Um, but at the same time, like you don't need, you know, the super fancy car or the super exactly. fancy house or whatever, um, because you really can't put a price on your piece. And I think often um, what I see in this, I actually do work with companies as well to try and help them with employee satisfaction and employee burnout. And a lot of what I kind of point out is unfortunately, some companies create this sort of unspoken culture where it's like, we pay you a lot. So we expect you to be here 60 hours a week. It's like this unspoken agreement of like, yeah, you might feel like crap and you might feel stretched thin, but we pay you a lot. So you should have to deal with that. And I think a lot of people put themselves in a position where they think like, oh, but it's so much money. I can't, I can't say no. I can't set boundaries. I can't do this. I can't do that. And it's like, you know what? If you're living that life, it's just not worth the money. It's just not worth it. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's something that people need to, uh, realize that, Hey, it's okay to go on that journey. And yeah, maybe you're not going to keep up with the Joneses this week, uh, or whatever. Um, but maybe that really isn't the thing that you're all about. I don't give a fuck about the Joneses. And, uh, here's a newsflash to most people. No one cares about what you're doing. They just don't care. Yeah. They're so busy doing their own problems. They don't care <laughs> so about yours. Like I've had, I've had friends that are like, uh, people are watching me drive down the road in this yeah. old car. And I'm like, no one cares. Like yeah. no one, no one cares. In fact, they're, they're worried about their own shit. They got, yeah. you know, a lot of people don't realize, I, I think it's kind of epiphany. People have about 40 or 50. Yeah. They realize that all the thinking they're doing about what they think other people are thinking about them. Mm -hmm. No one's thinking about them at all. And yeah, just like, absolutely. No one, no one gives a crap. Like, I don't. No, I'm yeah. they, they spend half their life trying to impress other people, keeping up with the Joneses, keeping the right car, the right job, the right college degree, blah, 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 that we've been talking about. Um, mm -hmm. so you've you've launched a new course that we should talk about, uh, a new online course about self-care. Uh get us a, tell us about that and how it works. Yeah. So this is actually um this is a, a course that's gonna lead into another course that I'm currently building. Um, but it's called Self-Care Mastery. It's a, a mini course. Um, it's three modules. It's nice, quick and easy. Uh, but it's basically a, a way for someone who might be experiencing a little bit of burnout or on their way to burnout, um, get a little bit of a deep dive into personalized self-care. And it's a very much a self-discovery journey. So this isn't your, like, let me give you the perfectly curated Instagram self-care routine, like do a facial, do a pedicure, whatever. It's not that. Um, it is very much a self-discovery mini course, and I take you on a journey of figuring out who you are at your core, what your values are, and you craft your own personalized self-care plan out of that self-discovery. So it's very, it's very cool. There you go. Uh, and so how do people onboard with you? How do they work with you? How do they see if, if you, um, if you can, uh, you know, you're a good fit with each other, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you can find me on Instagram at radically alive. Mm -hmm. I have a link on my profile where you can book a free call with me to have a bit of a, a consultation. And you can also go to my website, radicallyalivecoaching.com. You can enroll in my courses. You can also book a call with me there. 
There you go. Um, you know, this is really important, people. I've been referencing Fight Club a lot. And the reason I, I probably do Fight Club is because there's a lot of um, truthisms in there. Uh, but it's what, it's what woke me up. I, when I was, you know, I had everything I thought I w wanted and didn't have anything I really wanted. Um, I went, is this all there is? And I saw the movie Fight Club and it, it shocked me. It woke me up and I had a huge awakening. Uh, there's a line from it. Uh, you are not your job. You are not how much money you have in the bank. You are not the car you drive. You're not the contents of your wallet. You're not your fucking khakis. Um, and I think what we've been talking about that's kind of harkened this back to me is that we think, you know, from what you and I have been discussing in the past hour, we think we're all those things. Oh, I'm the career person that XYZ Morris and Morris uh, company and the chief accountant, you know, and I've got the title and, and all that stuff. I've got the BMW. I've got the, um, the thing. And people don't realize that, you know, what you've talked about and what you coach people on is you help them find themselves and not this external bullshit, you know, fuck Martha Stewart, as they say in <laughs> Fight Club. <laughs> fuck the sofa. The it really is a brilliant strike. movie, isn't it? It's it really full is. of yeah. everything. It's got yeah. it all. Yeah. But what it, it tells you is that you need to find what's inside of you. What makes your heart beat? What, you, what makes your soul uh, be filled? And kind of what your sort of modality is that you enjoy doing and then a lot of times especially in the great thing about today's world is you can usually find just about any way to make money off of the thing that you love and that's the great thing about being an entrepreneur as well you you find something you love and you go i really love doing this and i wonder if anybody else likes doing this people are like yeah we like doing that teach us how to do it or show us you know the different skill set that we need to do it and so i i like that fight club quote because what we've been talking about is not just finding what the social world hands you and says, get the job, get the picket fence, get, get the career, get the title, you know, get, you know, blah, 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 do all the hoops. And a lot of times it doesn't work out, you know, get married, have the kids, everything will be fine. And, you know, I know a lot of people that they, they you think they'd have everything, but they're freaking miserable. Mm. And the problem is you end up building that gilded cage. That's very hard to get out of. It's a trap. But really, we need to find out what's inside of us, like what you said about coaching people and what we really want and what would fulfill us and fill our internal buckets as opposed to our external buckets. There we go. Yeah, 100%. I think it really is. It's all about passion and, mm -hmm. and purpose. Um, you find your passion, you find your purpose, and your purpose is not what your mom said you were going to be when you grow up. It's not what your, you know, uh, proficiency test said that you took when you were in high school. Like, it's not that. Like, there, all of us came here into this existence with a gift and a purpose. And when you find what that is, all the other stuff falls into place. It doesn't matter. You don't have to worry about, will I make this much? Will I have enough to survive? Will I do this? Will I do that? Like you find this sort of inner compass and this inner trust that whatever you do, you will find a way because you've got passion and purpose. I, a very dear friend of mine once said, you can get anywhere without a plan if you pack a strong enough purpose. There you go. Yeah. Uh, having a purpose in life is so important. You know, I remember in 2008, uh, what you're speaking to in 2008, I lost all my companies and it just totally wiped out. Our biggest company was a mortgage company. So, I mean, that took everything down, but nothing was working. Everything came to a standstill economic wise. And, um, 
uh, I remember going through the cathartic journey of losing everything and realizing that it wasn't those things that I owned that made me. It was me. I'd always been the entrepreneur since 18. I was always been the builder, the guy, the innovator, the, the idea man. And as long as I still had me, I could rebuild and I could do stuff. And, you know, what you mentioned before and talking about knowing that you can, you can do it, that's so important because people think all that external bullshit is the thing that makes them. It's their identity. It's their, you know, it, it's without it, they can't survive. But mm -hmm. um, when you get down to the core, you realize that you're the person who can do it. You know, you have the ability. And if you don't think you have the ability, you can develop the skills to do it. I mean, I was an introvert. Now I'm an extrovert who is an asshole on a podcast, um, you know, and the, the loudmouth CEO boss who goes and gives speeches. Um, you know, you, you can change and life is going to change and you're going to change and it's okay. Mm -hmm. You're going to be fine. Yeah. Um, a lot of, you know, you mentioned earlier in the show about how people say, well, maybe it's too late. You know, I'm too old to change. I think Oprah, they, there's a lot, like a whole list. I'll see memes on social media, so I can't quote them right. But you know, the guy mm -hmm. who started KFC, the guy Oprah, it was, there's a whole list of people who sometimes really didn't restart their lives and find success until they were like 40s or 50s. Mm, yeah. And so it's never Morgan too Freeman only started acting at 46. Yeah, there you go. You and uh, and he's like ninety now, hundred <laughs> or pushing, I'm just kidding. He's, he's pretty up. old. <laughs> he's pretty old. He's 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 yeah. working it good. He's got it down. Um, yeah. So uh, give us your final thoughts and pitch out as we go out. So I would say my my biggest final thought is find your way to your truth. And when I talk about living radically, it's really just ditching the script. It's okay to let go of all the things that people said you were. Like you don't have to believe mm -hmm. that you are who people say you are or the people have told you you are as you were growing up. At any time, you can let all of that go. Um, one of my favorite memes that I saw once upon a time was a wise woman once said, fuck that shit. And she lived happily ever after. And I wholeheartedly embrace that. That is so true. That's Fuck living that radical. Shit. There it is. Just there. don't live your life. Don't let anybody tell you who you are. Only you know yeah. who you are. And don't make things your identity. Make you your yeah. identity. I mean, I, I can go anywhere probably in the world and, and, and if you give me a couple bucks and I don't even probably need, don't even need a couple bucks. I'd probably figure out how to start a company where I go. Um, and they probably have to, you know, I had friends during the, the great recessions tell me, you know, cause I was trying so much stuff to find, find something that would hit and, uh, and you know, nothing was moving. It was, it was like a dead still economy. And, uh, one of my friends said to me, they go, you tried so many things that if it came on the news that you, uh, were an international weapons dealer. Um, I wouldn't be surprised because you tried so much to, to get out of yeah. all this stuff and survive this, this crash. And that's really what it was down to. It's down about me. And when COVID hit, I had the tools to go, okay, well, I survived 2008, so I can do this. I mean, I don't know about the health part, but, uh, mm. but, but the business part and the money part and stuff, I, I can, I can figure out a way to survive this. So mm -hmm. there you go. Uh, tell people how they can onboard with you, reach out to you and, and, uh, sign up with you. Yes. Uh, you can find me on Instagram. It's at radically alive. 
And you can also get onto my website, uh, radicallyalivecoaching.com. Everything is there, and I would love to chat with you. There you go. Uh, thanks to Ken for the great words there. Agreed. Good job, Chris. Uh, you need to work on your space in there, buddy, but I still love you. <laughs> uh, thanks to my for tuning in. Thank you very much, Jamie, for being here. We really appreciate it. Thanks, Chris. There you go. Guys, refer the show to your family, friends, and relatives. If not, you'll lay awake at night in just guilt and shame going, why didn't I invite my family and friends to the Chris Voss show today? What's wrong with me? No, I'm just kidding. People don't do that. <laughs> go to goodreads.com, Fortress Chris Voss, LinkedIn.com, Fortress Chris Voss, YouTube.com, Fortress Chris Voss, and Chris Voss, one of the tickety talkity. Thanks for tuning in. Be good to each other. Stay safe, and we'll see you guys next time. <laughs>